I'm Megan Skidmore, and welcome to the Beyond the Shadow of Doubt. I'm a woman, daughter, sister, spouse, mother, life coach, and person of faith on a mission to normalize asking questions and allowing doubts on a faith journey and all aspects of life. Join me as I bring this traditionally taboo topic out of the shadows of shame and into the light. I firmly believe we normalize through more talking and engaging in discussion. More talking peels back, exposes, and erases the layers of shame associated with asking questions and allowing doubts. When we are more authentic about our journey, we are more powerful because shame has no power in the face of authenticity. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me and my guest today here on the Beyond the Shadow of Doubt podcast. I am I, I am speechless to have you get to know and to meet um, Jamie Batten. Jamie has a very special place in my heart. And you will understand more why by the end of this interview. And I am deeply, deeply grateful for your willingness to come on and chat with me today. So welcome, Jamie. Thank you so much. Um, I am I am honored and thrilled to even be a small part of your family's journey. And so, of course, I want to talk and share and hopefully learn and grow. That means so much um, more than words can really express. Um, recently, our um, family story was included um, in a write-up at the Lift and Love website at liftandlove.org. So, if you've read that, you know a little bit more about the backstory of our my my family, our dynamics, our our kind of <clears throat> the past four and a half years. And Jamie, as the high school counselor, guidance counselor has been a huge part of our journey. And it's such um, a beautiful story. It actually started before high school. And before, so before we dive into that and share a little bit more about that, would you just take a minute and introduce yourself to our listeners, just share a little bit about where you're from and your, your family, your faith of origin, your, all the things that kind of you know, that you would like to share with us that make up Jamie? Well, that's an interesting question because there are so many um, important <laughs> people and factors and locations and that, sure. but I guess I would say um, I grew up in a very, very small, very, very conservative town in a very happy home. And we attended um, a Baptist church. Funnily enough, my mom grew up Church of Christ, and when she married my dad, she um, chose to be baptized. So I remember when my mom was baptized mm -hmm. as a child, which was really confusing, but kind of cool. Um, and so we were heavily involved in our church. My dad was a deacon. Um, my mom was one of the, it was called GAs in the Baptist church, but it was like the girls group. My mom was always a sponsor. We went to church camp every summer. I was very involved in my youth group. I sang solos at church. I was on the praise team. And I was, a, I mean, and still I am a, a believer of Christ. Uh, I don't attend a Baptist church anymore, but I still believe that Jesus is the son of God and mm -hmm. he died on a cross and rose three days later. And I'll never not believe that. But I will say in high school, I felt the temptations like so many kids do and made some bad choices. And at that time, our church leadership had youth on the team or whatever. Uh, and when that became public knowledge that I had gone to a party, you know, and, and mm -hmm. made bad choices, I was actually kicked off the leadership team at my church. So that I think probably is when I kind of first started to go, 
Hmm. Oh, how old were you? Uh, that was my senior year of high school. So probably 17 or so. I will say this though. However, my parents, although we went to this church and we lived Mm -hmm. in this tiny, tiny town. Yeah. My parents have always been more liberal in their beliefs, more understanding, more empathetic. Mm-hmm. Um, I have vivid memories of my mom talking about her best friend, Rusty, um, who was a gay man in the 70s that contracted AIDS and died. And so I guess while my church home was very, very conservative and I would say judgmental, um, not patient, not gracious from time to time, I was blessed to grow up in a home that understood I think like Mm -hmm. if God is love then God loves all people so calm down you know what I mean um yeah yeah, so yeah I do so then um, I went to college um and still attended church for sure read my bible um prayed worshiped we got married we decided to raise our kids um in church as well and we moved to the town I grew up in. And so we've kind of fell back into um, patterns and went to that same church and we're raising our kids in that same church. And there were so many times that I would be sitting in a sermon and be like, please don't assume everybody in this congregation thinks that way, votes that way, believes that way, treats people that way, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I told my husband, like, we've got to find something different. Like, this is not it (laughs) because I don't want my kids to have those same struggles I did just with Uh the the judgment and the shame and the, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Like, so, um, in that time is when I got my job in Sunnyvale. So for a long time, we were driving back and forth with two kids in the car and it was wow. a whole thing. Busy. <laughs> yeah. And so we, we found, um, and are now members at a non-congregational church in the area that again is not perfect. I still find myself going, that's not how I interpret that. That's not how I believe that. But it is, it's important to me that my kids grow to love Christ and I want them to understand Christ in the way that I do. They are both, they both have asked um, Christ into their heart and have been baptized in a Baptist church, just like I was, just like their dad was. So that's really cool to me. But again, I want to show them the grace and patient and understanding side of Christianity that I think just gets lost so often. So I don't know. Did that answer your question? Oh my goodness. Yes. (laughs) I'm just overcome with just so much love for you and so much gratitude for who you are and what a blessing you are to so many kids, you not, not just your own, but in your work. Um, I love knowing a little bit more about your, your backstory, your upbringing and um, just your parents and what legacy of, of love that they passed on to you that you are now passing on to your kids. Yeah, they're, they're incredible. And, uh, my grandmother passed away this summer at the age of 97 years old. My gosh. Um, And she was incredible. She was my person. She was my hero. And she would often say things like, you know, God just wants us to love all people, all people. And so she absolutely welcomed gay people into her home. Like, I don't know. I come from a legacy of people. I think that just get it and are continuing to grow and get it even more with the relationships I have with students and friends. And, um, I don't know. It's, I'm, I am certainly blessed to have grown up like that for sure. You come from a line of trailblazers. Of yeah, I do. 
97 yeah. and and she gets it it's all about love um yeah. i i have really really learned that and internalized that embodied that for myself you know as someone who identifies as a christian it really is so much of this is all about the two great commandments mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's still just so hard in the world to reconcile being a Christian, but also being an ally. And I just don't understand why it's so hard. Um, I appreciate you saying that. That's part of what I wanted to kind of dive in with, with you about today. I love, one of my goals is normalizing faith journeys that everybody's got their own. And, and even those who don't maybe align with a faith or a higher power or see God that they still have their own journey. And I am all about honoring it all. We are yeah. all human. We are all beautiful, um, worthy of love. We were born that way. I believe there, are, there is divinity within each of us. And, and yet I learned in my in this journey, how I really wasn't the Christian that I thought I was, yeah. you know, I thought I knew how to love. I thought I knew how to accept all and not judge. And I, I had, I had quite a few lessons to learn and continue to learn them. And I'm okay with that. I, I truly believe that's been a part of my journey that was, that was needful and meant for me. One of the things However, that I, I really noticed in the beginning was it was hard to lean into allowing a, a belief that didn't really align with what my upbringing was. That it almost was, feels like you're like turning your back on it or something or, yeah, or it, picking and choosing what parts you agree yeah, with. It's not in. something that is, it's just not done. And I'm using quote marks. It's mm -hmm. not, or if it is, it's not talked about. Sure. But one thing I've learned is whether a person is aware of it or not, we all kind of kind of approach it cafeteria style. And, and by that, I mean, one aspect of your faith might really resonate with you, but for somebody else, it's a pain point. Mm -hmm. Like perhaps somebody who didn't get the opportunity to get married and is single for the right. remainder of their life and don't get to experience having a family and the joys, the, the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, the growth, and also the certain, um, it allows you to interact in your faith community in a different way than if you do not have You're right. a spouse or um, children or whatever. That's just one example. No, I know. Yeah. And so I think our life experience, just certain things we're going to, we're going to feel differently about just based solely on, on our life, on who we are, what our experiences are, what, what we brought to the table when we arrived here. And, um, so I, I, you've already shared how you grew up in a home where your parents were open-minded mm -hmm. or in other words, loving of all. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> how hard was that? You, you shared the ex experience you had at 17. How hard was that to, you were, you were not even of legal age and yet there was, we'll call it a disciplinary action. What was that like to actually yeah. 
navigate that. And you're right. that meant actually telling them, you know what, this isn't okay. We're going to, we're going to take our journey elsewhere. You know, it was, you know, when I look back on that time in my life, um, I, I was always known kind of as the goody two shoes girl. Like I didn't like curse words. I didn't like gossip. I didn't like people making bad choices. And so what the people in my church congregation probably didn't know is at that time I had just gone through my first breakup. Um, you know, he broke up with me and went to college. They don't know that I was suffering from an eating disorder at the time. They don't know the the yes. things I was going through. And so it was, I was kind of flipping about it. Like oh, whatever, I just got kicked out of a church leadership group, whatever I got kicked off when really it was very hurtful and it was very hard to even go to church really. Um, because for so long, I guess I was, I was probably judgmental of people who made the choices that weren't good to make. Um, I loved them and made them feel welcome. But when they would come to church, I'd be like, I know what you did last night, you know? And so then to become a person that was making choices I wasn't proud of, of course, that was really hard and it was really judgmental. But it was during that time when I started being rebellious, my parents knew something was up. Mm -hmm. Um, I was being very deceitful. Of course, I mean, as a teenager that was heartbroken, it's that <laughs> something my mom has told me my whole life is there is never, ever anything you can do that will make me stop loving you. She said it all the time. And so it finally became like, I didn't necessarily share with her how I was feeling or what I was going off to do, but she would say, just tell me you're safe. Just tell me you're safe. And when you're ready to talk, just know there's nothing you could ever, ever do to make me stop loving you. So with my parents, it was, I mean, I think they probably did disagree with that. And knowing my mother, she maybe even called the pastor and shared with them how upset she was by that. Cause she's not afraid to do that. Um, but I think at the time it was just like, mm -hmm. whatever, it's flippant. And I think now that I work with high school students, I see like, that was really crappy. <laughs> that was a really hard time for me. But I think in the time, I just didn't have the capacity mm -hmm. to realize, like, I don't know, my whole identity, I guess, had changed under the eyes of this congregation of people that watched me grow up. Yeah. And I mean, you were 17, right? And you weren't fully developed, literally. Right. Your right. cognitive abilities, your uh, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, you were right. still very much well, in, a, mm -hmm. in a growth phase. And so, I mean, it makes sense to me then after you felt very harshly judged that doesn't it make sense that you would then do it with others around you. Right. We do these things without even realizing it. And, and, a, and, a, and when that's kind of the environment that you're in, it, it just, it kind of perpetuates itself. It, um, and I do want to say like, even in, even in talking about that story and, and it, you know, it was a small blip in my story and journey Yeah, that church still embraced me, of course, and loved me. And there are dozens of people from that congregation I could call right now and they would be here in a heartbeat and have gotten mm -hmm. me through some hard times for sure. So I want to make it really clear, like, yeah. well, the, those, they're really still really great people and it's still a great place. It's just hard. It's hard because church shouldn't be where you feel judged, whether 
whether it's intentional or not. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. It absolutely does. And yes, I, I hear you loud and clear. I think that's why the, what you said is really important. I think that's why I wanted to create this podcast and have a place. This is a judgment-free zone. Mm-hmm. This is a zone. This is a place where I feel very strongly about allowing my guests to share just honestly what their story is and where they're at, where they've been. And there's a difference between sharing it in a, in a factual way. Right. That's really and truly what happened to you. That yeah. was your experience versus in, in a pejorative or, um, yeah, I don't want to be malicious. Or- yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're not at all. You're just yeah. sharing something and hopefully through this sharing, right. We learn, right. We get new information. We see a different perspective through someone else's eyes. And so hopefully we can internalize that and then it affects us moving forward. Right. And, and my hope is always that other parents, extended family members or whatever, especially of those with teens and young adults, uh, learn something that might help them yeah, love, love their people. And navigate hard bit, times with a little bit grace. deeper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so when you were now or then, you know, what did it, can you share, what did it, does a conversation or did a conversation with your parents or, or even um, leaders sound like when you had questions, when you had concerns, things that you weren't sure about? Like about my faith? Yeah. Yeah. That you just wanted to talk about and you, and they you know, were genuine questions. Let me, okay. So that I can remember actually as a kid, a really a really hard, weird, I don't know. I don't know the right word to navigate, but I, as a kid started thinking about how the Bible says that Jesus is not going to come back until every nation, every tribe and everybody has been given the gospel of Jesus. And I'm like, okay. And so in my head, that's going to take a really, really, really long time. But what if, what if the missionary that's supposed to tell them about Jesus goes somewhere and they've believed about Mohammed their entire life what if they don't what if they don't take it in because I if I hadn't been raised believing in Jesus maybe I would fall for that or it and it was so hard for me to reconcile that I would say mom do you think Jesus could like also be like Mohammed and like he's all the same person and like if everybody just believes like yes mom I'm I'm not saying Jesus is not God's only son but but maybe his son has looked different I don't know, mom. I don't know. And she would always navigate it. Like, you know, those are some big questions. And when we see God, we're going to have to ask him those questions because, and even now I'm, I I almost feel guilty saying that because it was so ingrained in me. And I do believe Jesus is my savior and I love him, but it's still that those certain aspects are just like, what, what? So I don't know. I, I mean, my parents are just, like I said, just open and willing to admit, mm-hmm. I don't know. And willing to say, I kind of wondered that same thing, you know, instead of just like blindly, mm-hmm. don't say that out loud. They're going to take away your salvation. Like, <laughs> no, I, oh my goodness. That is, they get five gold stars in my book. I, that is, I'm telling you, you may need to have her on next. Cause maybe uh, right. Um, yeah, yeah. She's because she's that's beautiful. not something many 
people necessarily do just admit that I don't know. Yeah. I'm not really sure. Yeah. But she, she saw you, she validated, wow, those are some big questions Mm -hmm. and that without, you don't need it right there. Mm -hmm. I mean, what a beautiful connection that you made as parent and child. Think about the trust that was, um, I mean, it was already there. It was established, but think about how much it, it deepened and those roots grew and you knew that that was always a safe place. Uh, it still is. It still is. I mean, yeah. And and just for the record, I totally get what you're saying about that specific question. I think episode 40 and 41, my guest who I interviewed is an anthropologist, PhD Ooh, student. Cool. And we talked about, Liz Thomas, we talked about social constructs. Mm-hmm. And so... I, I thought of that as you were speaking, yeah. like their Mohammed might be who we understand to be Christ. She, she compared a social construct to, I'm going to have to listen castle, to that Yeah. A castle, right? We have a place where we live and maybe we call it a castle. They have a place, maybe they call it a castle or something else, but it's all based on what you, what your reference points are. And it's only been in the past couple de- decades, really, that we have more information about people worldwide because of the internet. Right. And so, yes, that's a perfectly legitimate question that you asked in your youth. And doesn't it make sense that, that God is mindful of all of his, their children, no matter what part of the world, and they're going to understand concepts. They might have a different vocabulary sure. for them. Right. But yeah. yeah, such a fascinating, awesome question. I love that so much. You're a, you're a deep and free thinker. You have been, I can tell from the time you were young. Pretty curious about lots of things and very concerned about other people. Like, oh my gosh, we have to go be missionaries and tell these people about Jesus. Like, yeah. And I, and I think that's, yeah, I think, well, anyway, this isn't about contemplating, but I really do think love is a big part of that message. I agree. I believe love is a big part of sharing that divine love that is greater than us all. And that's in in some cases, how people get introduced to uh, the concept of a a greater power, a higher power. Right. So I, I want to shift a little. So, so knowing a little bit more about who, who you are, Jamie, it makes perfect sense. Um, (laughs) In retrospect, when I look about um, key points in in my journey, in my kiddo's journey, and then by extension, my family's journey, starting in 2019, if for those listening, if you've read my story, and if you haven't, I, I encourage you to, that's a story that's not easy to share. And so I'm glad it's in writing and that I don't have to say it again, because right. I cried a lot through that interview. But at one point I talk about, or, or the, the, the article shares how my kiddo was um, called to the office. And at this point it was still middle school. It wasn't high school. And um, it was because of some very problematic texts um, that expressed self-harm. And um, so that particular day, the counselor of the middle school was out. I believe at a conference. And so when I went to the school, you were there. I was, I remember that day so well. Um, 
do you mind sharing a little bit like what that what happened and and what your view yeah of it all so I, I certainly want to continue to respect AJ's things he shared with yeah. me that day oh yes absolutely yes but the gist of it was I'm, I'm struggling with my sexuality and my parents are Mormons and really conservative and they're never going to understand this this is like the biggest sin like I can't they can't know that part, Miss Patton. When you call them, you can tell them I'm cutting. You can tell them that I, I, I may even want to kill myself. Like, but you can't tell them that part. And so I just looked at them and I said, "Here's the deal. I love people. I love people that like boys, girls, both, neither, purple people. I don't care. Love is love. And you need to know with me, love is love. And that's it." And don't worry about it. And so those conversations, when the parent finally gets there, and it's it's the hardest part of my job, of course. It's so hard to navigate that conversation because most of the time the parents are completely blindsided. They, they always know something's going on with their kid. They don't know what it is. And so in that moment, not being in my own office, not being with a student I knew from day to day, like for, for him to be able to share that with me, like, who am I? It was clear he just needed some, and the fact that he trusted me with that all those years ago was just, I don't know. So I, I do believe that um, God had his hand in that, obviously, I do for sure. Um, but I do remember y'all leaving and y'all feeling so frantic and ill-equipped about like, well, what, what do we do? What, what do we do? And unfortunately, this is the soapbox that I'll never get off of access to mental health care in Texas is a freaking joke. So even when parents are willing and say, okay, we need to do something. I, I don't necessarily have great resources to offer. And I'm trying to give resources to someone who's literally a life coach therapist lady. Like, I don't know. And so, <laughs> I, you know, so I, I do remember just being heartbroken because obviously he needed to share that news with y'all, but I didn't know when it would come out you know and uh mm -hmm. yeah so um your assignment is at the high school and so because the counselor was out for the day mm -hmm. you received the call to come over to the middle school yeah and um yeah I didn't I didn't know all those details but um I knew enough to know my kid was hurting yeah and I knew enough to know um, an intervention was needed. And, um, you know, I am open about everybody has mental health, just like we all have physical health. And, you know, so I have had the same therapist for quite some time. And luckily I was able to uh, share her with my kiddo. <laughs> pretty quickly. And that was a blessing. That was a godsend. Absolutely. I know that. And, um, and then three weeks later is when the pandemic hit. So thank God that it was you who was <laughs> the one and who was able to share all of those things mm -hmm. so that my kiddo knew there was a safe space in Mrs. Batten, because that's not always the case. It's not. And, um, and I am sorry 
or sad to say, and in in Texas when it comes to um, the queer community. Mm -hmm. And um, you just cannot put a value, a measurable value on knowing that as a parent, you have somebody that is watching out for your kiddo. Yeah. At well, school, and who yeah. loves them unconditionally yeah. and who can, you know, I didn't know if you used the word ally to describe yourself, but I knew you loved my kid. Yeah. And I would say too, like, that is, that's another part of my journey that I would always admit, like, I'm pretty ignorant about some things just because I haven't experienced them firsthand necessarily. And so I'll just straight up tell a kid, like, if I'm saying the wrong thing, or if I use the wrong pronoun, like, please correct me because I'm learning. And I certainly will never begin to understand what it feels like to be a trans student ever, especially in a small town, especially in a conservative small town from a religious family. Like I'll never begin to understand that. And I'm sure I could be doing more things to be even more of an ally, but I'm, I'm just growing because again, like, I guess it's just confusing to me because why should I care who you're attracted to or who you're eventually going to have sex with? Why do I care? That's yeah. not a business. I love you. You know? So yeah. I don't know. It, it, it feels like a no brainer to me, but I don't know. Not everybody sees the world the way I do, I suppose. Yeah. Actually what you say is, is the reality of it. Why, why do why should we care? Why do we care? Um, and I, I've just learned it's so much of it goes back to the stories that we've written about ourselves that we don't even realize that we've written about ourselves that come from our families, our upbringing, our communities, our cultures, our religions, mm -hmm. our faiths. And each one of those sources creates a story for us. And so, yeah, you wrote your story and we continue to. And I think what some people don't necessarily realize, I mean, I don't think I necessarily realize is we can erase and, and like rewrite certain parts if we want to. That doesn't, that's not the same as we can't go back and change the past, but we can take a look at our current stories that we have and edit them yeah, and erase what no longer aligns with us based on maybe new information that we have that we've introduced into our world a uh, new experience right um yeah and that's actually a really beautiful thing and i think what holds or can hold folks back from that is is fear i really think that's what is a driving emotion particularly i in this agree completely and i would say even making the decision to even join you here was difficult for me not because i don't care and love people and not that I care if people know that in fact I want people to know that mm -hmm. but what does that do in my position that's pretty public it's, and that's the sad part but that is fear that's that's fear but but at the same time that's that's a real concern for you as a yeah. person in a public Right. School system. Which is fair. I mean, I, I want who I want the current laws of our state pretty much require you to report any uh any student that you're aware of who is 
going through any type of transition um, as child abuse, uh, report the parent mm -hmm. for child abuse. So I, that is a fear that is not unfounded. That is yeah. a very real fear. And that's why it means so much to me that you're here. Yeah. Well, and you know, through the years as a counselor, I would say my students have also shaped my faith and my understanding of things. Um, before here, I was at a middle school um, and I would have kids share things with me that they were very ashamed of. Um, I don't know, especially with the sexuality topic. I think the first few times I dealt with that, even though I knew that I loved the kids, I wanted to navigate that the correct way. But as I've grown and had more experiences with students and families, I think it just, I don't, what am I trying to say? They, my students have helped me grow mm -hmm. to better navigate each situation. They're all different, but hopefully the message is the same as I need you to love your kid no matter what they need, they need that whatever it and looks like. And it's scary. Exactly. And even though those stories are different, the one common, like through and through the one common factor is, is love. Mm -hmm. And I really, and truly believe you cannot make a mistake. If your heart, I mean, you are genuinely the best doing the best, you know, how with the information that you have. And when my mom we, says that all the time, we yeah. do the best we can with the information we have. Yeah. She says that all the time. And it's so true. It I is. am probably a much better mom today than I was three years ago, than I was six years, whatever. Well, duh, we do the best we can. And I, I tell students that too, your parents really genuinely are probably doing the best they can. They don't know how, they don't know how to talk to you about this stuff. They love you you know, and it is, I mean, that's all you can do as a human. Is right. And, and, I, and I genuinely think that most parents are doing the best that they know how with what information they have at the time. And I've thought about this a lot, just in general, if you look at our society and we're, we're in the United States, I know other countries listen to this podcast, but, and I've had a few others who live out of the, our country come on the podcast. So I can really only speak to the United States, but as a culture, I mean, historically, we don't talk about sex or sexuality or anything related to that topic, at least in an open way. Well, and honestly, in a less open way, some, some homes don't really address or talk much about it because of how the story that's been painted around it over time. And I think, I think yes, I think you're hitting it on the head. I think if it's talked about, it's talked about in a way that is shame driven mm -hmm. outside of marriage. And, and so in, in that for your, for as a kid to grow up and have normal hormonal feelings, right? Like yeah. be attracted to people and want to kiss them or whatever. And, and not have any control over right. what's coming up for them. Such shame after and and yeah. I'm not saying like that it's right or whatever like teenagers good lord that's the last thing they need in their lives 
<laughs> but it, it makes me sad that my first experiences with sex were shame driven rather than out of love because yeah. it's a beautiful thing. Um, so that's something I haven't, I haven't parented a teenager yet. <laughs> Getting close. Buckle up. Uh, I'm, yeah, we're in middle <laughs> but school. But you've parented in a way a lot <laughs> high school. <laughs> but that is something, again, like I hope to communicate about that topic in a different way. Even my own kids are like just so not bothered. They've got a couple of students in their classes that have like two dads or two moms or, you know, there'll be like a same sex yeah. couple or whatever on a commercial. And they're just like so not bothered because it's just not a thing at our house, like whatever. Mm-hmm. But I know like when um that movie, what was it? The Buzz Lightyear movie came out and there was like one scene of two female lovers like embracing. I don't even think they kissed. The world lost its mind. And I'm like, do, why do you care? And if mm-hmm. your parents would they stop were even freaking toys. out about such things in <laughs> front of your children, yeah, then maybe they could see the world through the eyes that make sense. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> it's it's so true. We do pass on our lenses to we do. through which we and view life. My mom's lens, so yes. I get that. But um, I think that's where knowing that we are the writers of our story, and if we want or or see a need to to edit parts of it, it doesn't need to, to mean that whoever you got that story from is a bad person or that, um, anything went wrong. It just means you're learning, Mm -hmm. you're understanding things differently and you can see perhaps a higher, better way of living life. You know, admittedly, if I'm, if I'm just being honest, I, I'm sure there are conversations I would not have had Mm. or reading and research I may not have done without, um, this journey as a parent of an LGBTQ plus kiddo and particularly one who identifies as, as transgender, you know, take that, that I, the idea we just talked about that we don't really, as a society talk about sex, it's an uncomfortable topic. It's for, for, especially in a faith based community and then add to it, the topic of something that has traditionally been taught as wrong or bad. Um, that's really, really uncomfortable. Those are conversations. Most aren't going to try to just feel the discomfort that comes with that or feel the uneasiness, um, especially when it's connected to a person's level of worth or goodness or level of spirituality and so on. When it's connected with that, it's just, and that's why I feel so strongly about normalizing questions and doubts on a faith journey. Um, it took me a while to lean into this idea of just finding out information. Yeah. And I now have learned and spoke with families whose whose children, even though they were born with female parts, they have an X and a Y chromosome. These, these situations exist. And if there's anything the gospel of Jesus Christ has taught me is he went after the one, like the one mattered to him. So while percentage wise, this community makes up a very small percentage, there's still a lot of people yeah. who identify this way. <clears throat> they matter. They matter. And and the only reason 
why their stories might be less heard or less understood or less talked about is because the dominant voices over time tend to be right a certain demographic yeah right mm, yeah certain sure. gender certain color of skin a certain perhaps educational background a certain maybe judeo-christian background it i'm just throwing out potential Level of buyers. <laughs> yeah exactly mm-hmm. i mean i didn't start to see things quite as differently as as I do, you know, going back to that piece about you as a counselor would have to report a parent if you learned that they were allowing um, transition to happen for their child, meaning uh, a physical transition, Mm -hmm. not, I don't think necessarily social, social means name, pronouns, clothing. Mm -hmm. But I, in, in discussions I've had, you know, nobody makes a big deal about women who choose to have an adjustment in their breasts, whether that's a reduction, which some do for back pain reasons, perhaps, mm-hmm. or um, an augmentation right. for whatever reason, or some get it done for medical reasons um, having to do with maybe cancer, sure. Sure. or they're at risk for having cancer. And so it's a pro- proactive, maybe preventative measure. Same thing with other adjustments, cosmetic adjustments that are made to tummies, to to faces. You get the picture. And the main difference here is one is normalized because it falls under the umbrella that's maybe more predominant hetero versus over here, it has to do with same sex or various, you know, intersex or transgender. And the reality is it's, we are not in charge of another person's life, right? I don't care. Do it. Don't do it. Who are you? What? You like who? I don't care because now I will say, should I have to go on a similar journey or like you have, Maybe my opinion of this would change a little bit. Maybe it would at least be more personal and maybe I would care to an extent. I'm not saying that I would navigate that beautifully, but if I'm just talking about random student, random man passing in in the mall, like Mm -hmm. it doesn't affect me and my day to day basis. Like I don't, I don't care. (laughs) And I I appreciate you saying that Jamie, and that's fair. And and that's okay because you're allowed to to live your life, right? Right. Just as hopefully everybody else is as well. That's not always the case. And I think that's why I feel strongly about just bringing stories of different experiences and different lived realities into a more mainstream um, availability. And so thank you for saying that Absolutely. because as a parent, yeah, that's your, that's part of your role as being parent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's no easy answers. And I would add to that. There's no um, definitive answers. I think it's something that is personal. Mm-hmm. Well, and I was about to say, I, I think the way that you have navigated your faith journey, but also your parenting journey through 
what has probably been the hardest season, most questions, most questions about faith and parent, all of the things from the outside, you have navigated this in a way that is so inspiring to me because I do have more and more students and more and more parents reaching out going like help. And so I know probably mm-hmm. what happened in your house over the course of what four years has been really hard behind closed doors. And I'm sure it took you so long to get to this point. I remember, mm-hmm. I remember the day we met about AJ's um, uh, pronoun. Yeah. And that, even that was, I think it probably took a lot for you to get to the point to respect that at home, but also be willing to to mention it outside mm-hmm. of your home. It's true. And then furthermore, not just to have Miss Batten, who has been along this journey, know this information, but to have the teachers and the staff, like, I just, I can't imagine what that meant to AJ for his mom to go, you know what? I love you so much, unconditionally, completely. And it's really inspiring to see. And I know that it is, it wasn't just like a switch. No, it's, it's a journey for sure. Um, Sure. That is true. I, that was um, post COVID and it was Mm -hmm. his first year back um, Mm -hmm. after being um, at home for. Well, yeah. And when he returned, right. When he returned after virtual learning, he was dressing differently, looked different, you know? And so even his, I, yeah, I just can't imagine walking in the school the first day after not seeing these people for so long and being like, so, so different. It wasn't easy. Yeah, you're right. I think, um, that initial meeting in eighth grade helped tremendously knowing that you were, I just, I just decided to trust and knowing how much you had helped us up to that point. Yeah, it wasn't easy. I appreciate you, um, speaking to that yeah but the love of a parent is it runs deep and it runs wide and um and sometimes that that means advocating for our kids Mm -hmm. even when we don't understand it Mm -hmm. fully because we haven't experienced it Mm -hmm. you know I always like to say it doesn't have to happen to me for it to matter to me absolutely and um it, it helps when you have safe spaces to go to. For sure. Um, that is true. I appreciate, yeah. I appreciated so much your support in making that request of please use these pronouns and please refer to our kiddo as this. And, and you also helped us get a faster track to graduation, which also significantly um, aided well, our journey. Uh, I had a parent ask about graduating in less than three years. And I said, just so you know, I said to one of my administrators, <laughs> I said, I had to tell AJ Skidmore he could not graduate in less than three years. So if this <laughs> happens, it is over my dead body because he was a candidate and I had to tell him no. That literally was probably, I don't even know, three weeks ago I had that conversation. <laughs> so I'm still trying to advocate for him and he's graduated. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Yeah. Well, and it's actually been the perfect journey. Um, yeah, he was more than ready to graduate and now headed off to um, college. I'm so excited. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. And Thank I know you. that you are busy and time is so precious and valuable. I just, oops, I just have one last question I like to ask. And that is, what does it mean to you to live beyond the shadow of doubt? It requires a whole bunch of trust, doesn't it? Um, it requires mm-hmm. trust, asking questions, mm-hmm. being willing to listen, admit you don't know everything, and just absolutely those trust. <laughs> trust. That's so true. Yeah. Trust over fear. Yeah, which is hard. I love that. So string of questions, one word answers. That's all I'm looking for. Okay. So our guests can, our, our listeners can know you a little bit more. Uh, what is your favorite book? Ooh, oh gosh. I wish you hadn't asked me this strange. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. It's about the homeless man. It's a real life story in Dallas. Stranger than me. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to Google it and get back with you because it's the greatest okay. book ever. Google it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Extrovert all day long. I could have guessed that. What? Who's your favorite artist? Uh, John Mayer. Ooh. And are you a well, night I'm out? all about lyrics. Yeah, he's Same got some good ones. Ask me that question again. I got my answer. Okay, your answer. favorite book. Same kind of different as me. It's such a good one. Okay, are you a night owl or a morning lark? Night owl. And do you have a celebrity crush? Yes, Jimmy Fallon. He's hilarious. <laughs> he is. <laughs> and do you do still or carbonated water? <laughs> I need some water. Uh, or a diet soda? Oh, diet Coke for sure. I should drink more water than I do. Awesome. And then lastly, the furthest place you've traveled. Furthest place. Dominican Republic? Oh, Jamaica? Yay. Cayman Islands? Whichever one of those is furthest. Caribbean. Yeah. yeah. Fun. Yeah. Um, so what would be the best way if folks had questions for you to reach out to you? Would it be on social media? Would it be an email? Um, yeah, you could do my social media. It's at Jamie Batten. Uh, that's on Instagram. Okay. Okay. Yep. I will put that in the show note. Okay. Thank you. You are amazing. Well, We're so blessed to have that. you in Sunnyvale. <laughs> Our family personally was blessed by you. And I feel so, so grateful that you came on and talked to me today. Absolutely. It was Thank a you. pleasure. Visit MeganSkidmoreCoaching.com to find this podcast and additional free resources, including the link for a complimentary coaching session. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram for more or to send me a DM. Help the podcast grow. Please follow, review, and share with a friend.